Well, hello again. This is Buck Manny speaking. I thought I would come on and uh, have a little podcast here about the Bing Crosby show. It's a great episode. Um, I hope that you enjoyed, have been enjoying the Eddie Cantor and Al Jolson episodes and Fibber McGee and all of our World War II shows. Uh, last night I was listening to the um, Eddie Cantor that I put out there and I was uh, really enjoyed the medley at the end. I believe it was Dinah Shore and Eddie Cantor kind of going back and forth singing uh, little bits of songs and um, a lot of enjoyable songs and fun to hear them sing back and forth together. So that was a lot of fun. Anyway, um, tonight we have, today we've had uh, three different episodes uh, from the same day uh, in uh, 1943. And let's see, what do we had? Burns and Allen and Fibber McGee, and now we have Bing Crosby. Uh, this, we're still going to have some more of the World War II shows, but not too many. We are starting up our, our fall season now. We're going to start having uh, more and more episodes from the fall season. Tomorrow is the big kickoff. On Tuesday, we will have Suspense, and uh, this is the episode in the season where uh, Elliot Lewis takes over producing the show um, in the 19, uh, what is it, 50, 51 season from exactly 60 years ago tomorrow. And uh, Elliot Lewis, for those of you who aren't making the connection here, is plays Remley on the Phil Harris show. So if you like Remley from Phil Harris, you'll probably like this season of suspense because Elliot Lewis was a man of many talents, and we'll get into more of that tomorrow. Um, also, we'll be playing the last episode from last year's season. I didn't. I, I ended up not airing not airing that episode, so you get a chance to hear it. Kind of works out well that I didn't air it anyway because it happens to star Elliot Lewis uh, in uh, the main lead role in that. So it's going to be an Elliot Lewis day tomorrow. So make sure you turn into suspense for some great. Uh, I'll do commentaries on everything, and I'll have some interviews with Elliot Lewis and so forth. Um, I think you'll enjoy all of it. Anyway, for back to today, uh, today's guest star on Bing Crosby is Victor Borga. And Victor Borga, I have actually have a good memories of him. I remember seeing him on the um, Dean Martin show and on... Um, the Ed Sullivan show as well, um, I, and I'm pretty darn sure I saw him live back in the 70s with my parents, so uh, he's a very entertaining person, and he um, he has an interesting history. I, I think folks that can entertain um, at a concert level live is an amazing thing, plus if you can do radio, which he could do, was an amazing thing, plus doing uh, television, totally different skill, and he was amazing at that too, so he pulled it all off. Um, he was originally from Denmark, and let's see, I'm trying to see when he came over here. Anyway, uh, while he was in Denmark, he was a classically trained pianist, and then he started to work kind of in work comedy into the act, kind of like Jack and his uh, violin, though 
Victor Borga was more accomplished on the piano than Jack was on the violin, at least at the time. Um, anyway, so, so Victor started working the comedy jokes, and he had anti-Nazi jokes when Nazis started to become popular. I always like it when I you hear a performer that was on the right side of history and making uh, good choices, uh, which would be tricky throughout your life. Anyway, um, then during World War II, um, he was playing a concert in Sweden uh, when the Nazis occupied Denmark, and he managed to escape to Finland. He traveled to America on the USS American Legion. Uh, it was the last neutral ship to make it out of um, that part of Finland, and he arrived on August 28, 1940. He had $20 in his pocket and uh, came to America, and that's the story of a lot of folks, but not a lot of them make it as successful as he did. Uh, in 1941, he starred on Rudy Valley's radio show. Uh, he, he was learning English by watching television at the time. Anyway, so... Um, well, he can't be watching... T oh, by watching movies. That's what it was, by watching movies. I was going to say, it can't be television. Um, anyway, he was on... Uh, in 1941, he was on Rudy Valley's radio show. And then soon after that, he was hired often on the Bing Crosby show, Craft Music Hall. And um, in 1946, he would get his own show, the Victor Borges show. And um, he was... Uh, a great entertainer who was able to pull off uh, musical comedy skits and non-musical comedy skits. One of his uh, big things that I remember was his phonetic punctuation routine in which he recites the full text of what he's reading, including saying things like comma, period, exclamation mark, as he's reading it, um, which is... Interesting to, to hear him do that, and he did that a lot, and I can remember that. So, anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy his wonderful performance here. In 1942, he was voted, uh, what is that? I read that. 1942, Radio Performer of the Year, the new Radio Performer of the Year in 1942. And, of course, this is the beginning of 1943, so he's just getting really established uh, when this... Um, show was on this episode of Bing Crosby. So I hope you enjoy it, and since he had his own show in 1946, maybe I'll bring some of those to us next year. Um, I'll think about it anyway. And uh, make sure, again, that you tune in tomorrow for Suspense, and then we're going to be kind of alternating for a while, a while between um, our new fall season and the World War II episodes. Um, I was going to say something about World War II or fall season. Oh well, can't remember what I was going to say. I'm sure I'll say it in the next podcast. <laughs> so uh, keep tuning in, keep enjoying the podcasts, and I will certainly enjoy um, bringing them to you as always. Have a great week, and we'll see you tomorrow for Suspense. From the United States, for the Armed Forces of the United Nations, the Special Service Division of the War Department presents a delayed broadcast of one of America's most popular radio programs, Bing Crosby and the Music Hall. The bells are ringing for me and my gal. 
birds are singing for me and my gal. Everybody's been knowing to a wedding they're going, and for weeks they've been sowing every Susie and Sal. They're congregating for me and my gal. Parsons waiting for me and my gal. And someday I'm gonna build a little home for two, for three or four or more in love land for me and my gal. The bells are ringing for me and my gal. The birds are singing for me and my gal. Everybody's been knowing to a wedding they're going, and for weeks they've been sowing every Susie and Sam. They're congregating for me and my gal. Old Parsons waiting for me and my gal. And someday I'm gonna build a little home for two, for three or four or more, in love land for me and my gal. For me and my gal. This, friends, is the old craft music hall, short waving to the battle stations of the world. To all of these we send the story of a girl against the world, a girl who started her artistic career as a singer in the old craft music hall and went on to greater and still greater glory until today. She's a singer in the old craft music hall. <laughs> Presenting... Trudy Irwin, girl singer. <laughs> Trudy Irwin, girl singer, was born. To worthy parents, one a man, one a woman. <laughs> it was not long before she learned to look upon these good, kind people as father and mother. But let us go back, back to when Trudy was but a week old, quite unable to read her Uncle Harry Lillis's racing form. Noting this, her parents bought her glasses. Noting the glasses, her uncle quoted Dorothy Parker, saying, Men never make passes at girls who wear glasses. So, from that day to this, Trudy has not worn glasses. And it was that day, not this, that marked her Uncle Harry Lillis's first interest in the child's voice. After holding the baby on his lap for a few minutes, he called... Hey, hey, somebody! Hey, come here, quick! I have made a startling discovery. Our little Trudy has a remarkable voice. The kid can coo, solid and true. With a break or two, she can grab some moves. Listen. Come on, Trudy Kins. Come on, sing for Uncle Harry. That's a nice girl. Hitchy-kitchy-kitchy-kitchy. Hoochie-coochie. Oh, correction. Hitchy-kitchy-kitchy. Sing for Uncle Harry. There, you see. She's opening her mouth. Now listen. Squealy-boot-old-dee-doodle-dee-doodle. I think the kid's got a cold. Gesundheit. <laughs> Time and the fates were kind to baby Trudy, and as one year passes into another, she grew straight and tall, and fine and dandy, and Amos and Andy. <laughs> By the time she was 18, she was no longer a baby, although the boys she grew up with still thought of her as quite a babe. 
<laughs> this was when she was a member of the Kraft Music Hall Music Maids, supplying the world with many a tarah and tarudel, until word reached her of Kaiser's search for a vocalist. She went immediately to Kaiser's office. Listen. Are you Mr. Kaiser? With this bottle of sarsaparilla, I christen you the good ship Trudy. Ouch! Wrong, Mr. Kaiser. <laughs> but the right, as it always does. Oh, get up a tarpaulin here, Mr. <laughs> The right, as it always does, finally triumphed over the wrong Mr. Kaiser. Brought up from the depths of Mare Island Fitting Basin, completely overhauled and reconditioned, Trudy Irwin one day nervously awaited an interview with the right Mr. Kaiser. As he entered his office, no one was surprised to hear him say, Evening, folks. Hi, all. Come on, children. Yes, dance. Yes, dance. You there, this little girl here. Come right over here. I'm going to ask you a question. Now, this is going to be a kind of difficult, so concentrate. <laughs> Take your time and don't be nervous. Mr. K. Kaiser of Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, sends in this question. Mr. Kaiser wants to know, what's your name? Well, it's, a. Uh, am um... Uh, you're it's, true, you're uh... true. I love you, Trudy, Trudy. Oh, dear. Trudy Irwin. Oh, how'd she get that? <laughs> that's right, that's absolutely right. That ain't wrong. Now, tell me, child, where were you working before you came to me? Well, I was on the Bing Crosby show. Crosby? Oh, you mean uh, Bob Hope's caddy and straight man, huh? I don't mean another little old soul in the world, Kay, honey. Oh, you got the job. <laughs> and so, after many happy hours singing with Ishkabibble's famous band, after helping... <laughs> After helping to give people the Babbitt habit, Trudy Irwin crosses the Sully Mason line and returns to the old craft music hall. It is February 4th, 1943, and the first to greet her is the janitor, Yuki, who welcomes her home after her successful two-year absence by saying... Say, haven't seen you around for a couple of weeks. Been away? Yuki, I'm so glad to see you. Yeah? Yes, but I'm disappointed in you, Yuki. I thought by this time you'd be a big man around the old craft music hall. Uh, you know, politics. <laughs> but you're still only the janitor. Only the janitor. And there are cherry pits all over this floor. Well, don't knock it, sister. George Washington swept here. It was at this moment Bing Crosby entered. Clutching the early scratch sheet in one hand and a copy of Constantly in the other. And thus was born a duet between Rhythm Boy and Music Maid. Just tonight, but constantly. 
favorite singing groups, the charioteers. These boys are currently pulling the customers really asunder nightly up at Ciro's. And for the benefit of those who can't remember their names, the charioteers are Wilfred Williams, Howard Daniels, Edward Jackson, Ira Williams, and at the piano, James Sherman. The only five-man quartet in the world. The charioteers, you're on, man. Russian-Soviet Congress at Moscow renames Petrograd Leningrad. And the Finnish runner, Pavo Normi, covers two miles in less than nine minutes. 1924, Washington senators win their first World Series and French troops start evacuation of the Roar Valley. 1924, and in their homes, thinking men are saying... Hey, Trudy, how do you like this here? 
says in the paper that President Coolidge shook hands with that Argentine prize fighter, Louis Firpo. Is that important? Hmm, must have been an interesting conversation they had. Firpo doesn't speak English, and Coolidge doesn't speak. Say, hey, Harry, hmm? I've been wondering about the opening of King Tut's tomb. That's snooping if ever I've seen it. Hmm. <laughs> Say, by the way, Trudy, I was going to ask your house for a couple of bucks out of your household allowance till the end of the week, hmm? Hmm, now I'm beginning to understand why you call it my household allowance. Yeah? Yeah. I'm only allowed to hold the money around the house. <laughs> well, gee, I just want ten bucks. You've seen this stuff that's just came out called cellophane, ain't you? Yes. But what's that got to do with me giving you ten dollars? I want to buy a cellophane shirt. A cellophane shirt? Yeah. Why? The doctor told me to watch my stomach. Oh. <laughs> oh, Harry, I mm-hmm. wish you'd spend a little less time figuring out those Should've jokes. Should have spent a little more time on that. <laughs> <laughs> and spend a little more time figuring out how we can get a new car this spring. Say, you know, you're right. We ought to get a new one. They say those, those four-wheel brakes are really something. They even wrote a song about them. I never heard that. Four-wheel break? Yeah, sure. It goes like this. Four-wheel break the news to mother. Oh. <laughs> well, you don't like it, huh? Oh. I think it's very, very Personally, common. I'd like to hear, um... How come you do me like you do, do, do? Do, do, do. How come you do, do me like you do? Do, 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 do. Why do you try to make do, me feel do, so blue? I ain't done nothing to you. That's too intellectual for me, that kind of... <laughs> I don't get it. Well, how do you like this one, then? All alone, I'm so all alone. There is no one else but you. Well, say, if that's what you like, how about this number that, uh... Paul Whiteman's feature in there goes like this. Sweet little you, I'm just crazy about you. Sweet little you, I just can't live without you. I'll save every dollar that I can make. Soon you'll hear me holler, got our little bungalow. I pity you when I get you alone, dear. I know just what I will do. I'll kiss you morning, noon, and night. Satisfy my appetite. I'm sweet on sweet little you. directly to our old friend Victor Borgie. Pianist and raconteur. We asked Vic to drop in on the old craft music hall shenanigans before he heads east to fracture the customers in the big town bright spots. Hello, Vic. Goodbye, Bing. 
Well, don't say it ain't been charming. Where are you rushing to? You know, Bing, I'm going to travel. That's vital if you're going anyplace, I guess. <laughs> sure, but before I go to New York next week, I decided I would come over here and say goodbye and shake hands with some of the old faces. <laughs> Glad, G-L-A-D. What exactly have you got lined up in the way of vaudeville dates when you get east, old boy? Well, first I'm opening at the Waldorf. The Waldorf, yeah. huh? It's a wonderful place. Oh, they make a grand salad there. I love it. <laughs> uh, they tell me it's so nice to appear in that salad, in oh, that uh, hotel. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Bing, they also tell me that Waldorf is so big. Oh, muy grande. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Spanish, huh? I don't want to <laughs> But they have uh, shows in three different places. And the man who got me the job told me I'll first appear in the Wedgwood room. Oh, well, bring me back a pair of wedges, huh? Yeah. What, in beige. What size? Beige, I'd like. <laughs> what size? Any size. All right, you're... Free triple A. Grown up, huh? <laughs> Should be easy because in the Wedgwood room, I come on after the dancers. Mm -hmm. Then I go to the Empire room where I come on after the singers. You come on after the singers? Yes, after they have sung. Mm -hmm. And after that, I go to the main dining room where I come on after the dirty dishes. <laughs> <laughs> you should clean up. But tell me, Vic, how are you traveling to New York? What route? I'm going by papoose. Oh, no, steady. Steady, old boy. You're mixed up. You mean caboose. A papoose is nothing but a hitchhiker on the back of an Indian. I know. I'm riding on the back of the chief. <laughs> as far as you can go on a buck, I guess. you think so? But you know, Bing, I really wanted to make the trip to New York by car. But uh, only have an A-card, so... Only got an A-card. Well, why don't you yeah. put in a pitch for a little more gas? Oh, that I did. That I did. I even went to my draft board. Took <laughs> appeal there, you know. Oh, you appealed to your draft board for gas? Yeah. What was the verdict? Oh, when I asked for more gas, they said, no, no, you don't appeal to us. <laughs> I almost got mad because it didn't appeal to me either. <laughs> <laughs> Who could they turn to? <laughs> Bing, don't get me wrong. I, I'm really very patriotic. And I'm happy to go without anything these days. Look, I now have victory cuffs. See? I turn my pants into the government. Your pants? You're supposed to keep the pants. You turn in the cuffs. Every year, new rules with the cuffs. <laughs> Seems to me I heard that line before. <laughs> no, Bing. Last time I was in... I've been in New York before, you know. Have you? As a matter of fact, I wasn't there before. I was after, but it was after last Christmas. Oh, but I mean, yeah, I, before I was there, I... Uh, tried to get home to my hotel. I got lost. In the rainy night, you know, I was standing there and asking the policeman, uh, I said, tell, uh, tell me, how do I get back to the Mills Hotel? And he said, take the 42nd Street car. So I stood on that corner in the rain and waited for the 42nd Street car. But after I counted about 35, the car stopped running and I had to take a taxi. Everything <laughs> <laughs> happens to you, huh? Vic, how about coming out to the house for dinner before you leave, huh? Oh, thanks, Bing. That's... That's wonderful, but since your house was cooked in the fire... <laughs> I don't know. Where do you live? Oh, I got a little spot now. It's very simple to find. Oh. You take the Sunset Bus, you get off at the last stop. You walk two blocks north and cross a small bridge, then you take the right fork of the road until you come to a steep hill. You climb the hill, and when you get on the other side, you'll see two houses, a little uh, white house and a little red house. Yeah. I live in the little white house. Is that clear? Absolutely. What time to be up? <laughs> Except for one thing, Bing... Uh... How do I get there? <laughs> well, I'll repeat it. You take okay. the Sunset Bus... Oh, not too fast, please. You take but the Sunset Bus and you get off at the last stop. Last stop. You walk sunset. two blocks north. Two blocks north. You cross a bridge. Bridge. You take a right fork of the road. Right fork. Climb the, the hill. hill. Over the hill, you'll see two houses. A little red house and a little white house. Mine is the little white house. Oh, that is... That is easy to worry. I go over the little hill there and I go back. Come on. Little white little, house, little red house. 
That's I'm, I'm in the White House. You live in the White House. Yeah. Good. Say, uh, Bing, why don't you come to my house? <laughs> if you insist, but uh, where do you live? In the little red house. Oh. <laughs> Get my foot out of that trap. How about signing a few notes in the baby grand before you leave, Vic? Play us a little something. I will, Bing. Uh, if I may play a very beautiful number I learned from my sister. She was from a wonderful... your sister taught oh, you Oh, she was a wonderful pianist, and she taught me the first piece here, The Minute Waltz oh, by nice. Chopin. That's only half of it. Yeah, but you know, she was only my half-sister. I feel... <laughs> but seriously, Bing, I want to try to play something that expresses where all our thoughts are today. And all our thoughts are... Together keeps 
broadcast scheduled expressly at this time for the Armed Forces of the United Nations by the Special Service Division of the War Department of the United States of America.
This program has been a part of our English language shortwave service.